Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Dr. Colin Howell? Colin Howell was born in Northern Ireland on March 14, 1959. He became a dentist and eventually opened multiple dental practices. Colin was quite religious. He had worked as a lay preacher. In July of 1983, he married a nurse named Leslie Clark. They will go on to have four children. About seven years later, he started having an affair with a woman named Hazel Stewart. Hazel's husband was a police officer named Trevor Buchanan. Eventually, the affair between Colin and Hazel was discovered, and they broke up. A short time later, they resumed their affair. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. Colin and Hazel conspired to kill Colin's 31-year-old wife, Leslie, and Hazel's 32-year-old husband, Trevor. They executed their plan late on May 18 and early on May 19, 1991. Colin connected a garden hose to his wife's Renault Savannah, which was in the garage. This car is like a small station wagon. He ran the hose through his home and put it close to Leslie's face as she was sleeping on a sofa. She had been taking prescription drugs and drinking alcohol because she was distressed about the affair. The couple's four children were also in the house. Colin then started the vehicle. Leslie woke up as Colin was poisoning her and cried out for her six-year-old son, Matthew. Colin covered her head with a duvet cover and continued to poison her. After killing her, he dressed her in a t-shirt and leggings and placed her body in the trunk of the Renault. He then drove to the residence of Hazel and Trevor. Colin had supplied Hazel with tablets containing a sedative and instructed her to give them to Trevor. She put them in Trevor's sandwich, which he consumed. Trevor was sleeping when Colin arrived, under the effects of these drugs. Hazel and Trevor also had two children who were asleep in the house. Colin once again connected a garden hose to the vehicle's exhaust, and he poisoned Trevor. Trevor woke up just like Leslie had. Colin struggled with him, and they both ended up on the floor. Colin was able to trap Trevor's arms inside a quilt and pull it over his head. Colin continued to poison Trevor with the vehicle exhaust until Trevor died. As this was going on, Hazel stood outside the house and covered her ears. Colin wanted to make it look like his wife and Trevor brought an end to their own lives. He drove the car to a garage behind a house that was once owned by Leslie's father, who had died just 12 days earlier. Before arriving there, Colin dropped a bicycle nearby 
for later use. Colin put Trevor's body in the driver's seat and left Leslie's body in the trunk. He placed five family photographs around Leslie's body and put headphones on her, which were attached to a cassette player. He put a cassette of her favorite song in the player and pressed the play button. He wanted to make it look like she was trying to enjoy pleasant memories as she exited this life. Colin ran a vacuum hose from the exhaust to the passenger compartment of the vehicle. He started the vehicle and left on foot. He ran to where he had positioned the bicycle and rode the bicycle to his home. Colin's story was that Leslie left in the middle of the night and picked up Trevor. She brought Trevor back to their house. Colin and Trevor had a physical altercation, at which time Leslie and Trevor left in her car. Colin's plan was successful. The police believed that this case did not involve homicide. Colin went on to collect about 420,000 pounds from Leslie's will, her life insurance, and other sources. In 1996, Colin and Hazel ended their relationship. They had literally killed to be together, but they could not make the romance work. In December of that same year, Colin met a woman named Kyle Jorgensen at a Bible study. They married in 1997 and went on to have five children. So now Colin had nine children altogether. The year after they married, Colin admitted to his second wife that he killed Leslie and Trevor. She did not reveal this information to the police. She kept her husband's secret. She was afraid of what would happen to the children if she went to the police. In 2003, Colin admitted to his second wife that he had another affair, but he told her it was over. In 2007, Colin's son Matthew, the same one who Leslie cried out for when Colin was murdering her, died at age 22 due to an accident in Russia. Distraught, Colin went back to his mistress. His second wife would eventually learn that not only was Colin a killer, he had been committing assaults of a sexual nature against female patients at his dental practice. At this point, Colin ran into some financial problems. He had a lot of money from the murder of his first wife, but he burned through it after falling for a scam. Colin started communicating with a scam artist who claimed to have located a secret stash of gold in the Philippines. Ostensibly, the gold had been stolen during World War II and hidden. The con artist said something to the effect that they needed money to retrieve the gold. It was buried under tunnels that were covered in traps. It was an expensive and dangerous process to retrieve the gold. Colin dumped 100,000 pounds into the scam right away, but over the next six months, he kept investing more. He eventually lost 353,000 pounds and was forced to declare bankruptcy. Colin's second wife was now confronted with the reality that Colin was a killer, was offending against patients, was cheating, and was declaring bankruptcy due to unrestricted gullibility. She decided that this was the time to reveal Colin's confession. She pressured Colin to confess to the church elders, which prompted them to notify the police. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the US like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. 
Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Colin was arrested in January of 2009 and charged with the murders. He pleaded guilty. Colin Howell was sentenced to life in prison on November 18, 2010. He is eligible for parole after 21 years. His former mistress, Hazel Stewart, was found guilty of the murders in 2011. She was sentenced to life in prison, eligible for parole after 18 years. In May of 2011, Colin pleaded to additional charges connected with the offenses against his female patients. He was sentenced to five and a half years in prison and lost his pension. Now moving to my analysis. As far as guilt or innocence, this case is fairly clear-cut. Colin Howell admitted he was guilty. Hazel Stewart admitted that she knew what was going on, but implied that she was acting under duress. She was clearly guilty as well. There are several elements to this case that stood out to me. I'll go through each one here. Item number one is how Colin was considered a pillar of the community. He was active in his church and well-known for having extensive knowledge of the Bible. He would preach to people about how they should live their lives in general, and specifically talked about the dangers of sexual immorality. Hazel was initially attracted to Colin in part because he was such a religious and upstanding man. Hazel was a Sunday school teacher, so she had a strong interest in her religious beliefs as well. I find it interesting that two people who claim to be highly religious would have an affair, resume the affair after being caught, and commit murders in order to be together. Item number two is how Colin and Hazel had divergent paths. The couple stayed together for five years after the homicides, but after this, they each found different lovers. Colin was troubled by his actions. He was not at peace, so much so that he confessed to his second wife in order to find some relief from the pain of guilt and shame. He felt as though everything bad that happened to him was a punishment from God, like when his son was killed in an accident, and when he lost all his money in a scam. Hazel seemed to be doing all right as far as her conscience bothering her. She remarried and never confessed. Perhaps she was at peace with her decision to kill. Item number three is motive. Colin made it clear that even though he profited from the murder of his first wife, his motivation was love. He wanted to be with Hazel. He also suggested that he was putting Leslie and Trevor out of their misery. They both had to face the fact that they were losing their romantic partners. Leslie was clearly upset about this. Colin implied that he was doing them a favor by killing them. He may have told himself that because he was so great and wonderful, Leslie would be understandably devastated to lose him. Death was a better alternative than being away from the glow of his presence. Looking at Hazel's motive, there's not a lot of information available. In one documentary that briefly covered this case, people involved in the case described Trevor as not exciting and not ambitious. 
Usually people take it easy on murder victims when they describe their personalities like they remember them in the best possible light, but Trevor was not afforded this courtesy. It may have been that Hazel was just really bored with Trevor, and Collins seemed exciting by comparison. Item number four is the reaction of Colin's second wife when Colin confessed to her. She was willing to keep his secret to preserve the life she built for herself and her children. What made her believe that if Colin was willing to kill two people, he would not be willing to kill her someday? I find it interesting that she was willing to stay quiet until Colin was unfaithful again and lost all his money. Like being guilty of the murders wasn't bad enough. She was going to remain with a killer, but once he did those other things, she had enough. That's what made him unacceptable as a partner. One could argue that Colin's usefulness as a husband decreased below the point where she could accept it. Most people would consider being a killer as consistent with a pronounced decrease in romantic partner utility. Item number five is the idea of a perfect murder. If Colin had not confessed, he never would have been caught. This case was closed. The police had concluded it did not involve homicide. Was this a case where Colin pulled off perfect murders, or did the police do a poor job during their investigation, which allowed him to escape responsibility? Even though Colin's level of cleverness was far above the average killer, a poor police investigation allowed him to escape. Here are just a few mistakes the police made and clues that they missed. It doesn't make sense that Leslie and Trevor would be hanging out together, even if their spouses were having an affair. Even if they did choose to spend time together, why would Leslie be in the trunk of her own car? The police ruled out homicide very early in the investigation. Statements Colin and Hazel had made to the police were later proved to be untrue, yet the police accepted their account of what happened around the time of the murders. Colin made three attempts to direct people to the garage to find the bodies. The police never asked him why he was so sure they were there. The police did not check the crime scene for fingerprints. The vacuum hose which was connected to the exhaust had a kink in it, and it was loose. The driver's seat of the vehicle was not pushed back far enough to comfortably accommodate Trevor Buchanan. The driver's side door was open, and his leg was out of the vehicle. The driver's side window was down, which seems strange considering what the couple was supposedly trying to do. Leslie's shoes were hanging off of her feet. Trevor had sustained injuries to his mouth, nose, and the back of his head, and Colin had a gash on his forehead. Colin's explanation for this was the fight between him and Trevor that occurred that night. The police didn't find it unusual that Trevor would be found dead right after being involved in a physical altercation with Colin. Colin's account of Leslie's movements on the day before her death was incorrect. Several witnesses contradicted his statements. The police found information suggesting that Colin had been drugging Leslie and once dropped an electric cable into her bath. When looking at the evidence of this case, it's clear the police should have solved it or should have at least suspected homicide. Now moving to my final thoughts. Colin was much more efficient at executing his homicidal plan than living with its success. He could not escape his conscience. This was just one flaw in his perfect murder scenario. His conscience completed the job. The police could not. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. 
This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars longa, vita brevis. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did to create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.